Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode number 38 of the Board Game Gateway podcast. I am Nima, and I'm your host for this episode, and I'm sitting around the table with two lovely co-hosts of mine. To my left, Mr. Matt. G'day. And to my right, Mr. Damien. Hello. That's three of us now. Look at how awesome is this? Instead of just me and Damien playing footies, Matt joins the uh, the audience. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it at the moment, Damien. No, I, I don't know either. I mean, like, the bruising is kind of worth it. I mean, I like... <laughs> Don't, don't get me wrong. Like, it sometimes it works. I just don't know how hard I'm me. meant to kick in footsies. That's all. Once I learn where the limit is, I'll be right. Yeah, okay. that's right. Also, you know, like 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 when moans turn into groans, it's a bit. It becomes an issue. So yeah. Uh, if this is the first time you're listening to the Board Game Gateway podcast. We are your entryway into the world of board gaming, tabletop gaming, and fun times. We are going to have a bit of a chat about a few different games today. Um, we're going to be chatting about Castles of Burgundy. Uh, Matt would like to take us through through micro macro uh well, i'm gonna have a chat about a bit of a weird one called stellaris nexus and then we're gonna have a little chat about our gateway game of the week which this week is little factory but before we get to our gateway game of the week um matt it's lovely to have you back on the podcast thanks yeah, it's been a been a while since you've uh, been on here mm. things have certainly uh they certainly stayed the same nothing's really changed <laughs> yeah, just gonna say, nothing's changed where no. you go with this no yeah. exactly the same exactly right yeah no the only thing that's probably changed is now the gain settings on your microphones are not so loud so you <laughs> won't right. blow out everyone's eardrums when you are, are talking so it seems such a waste to not be here with with ralph to actually test that because i haven't heard his laughter not blow my car speakers out when i re- when i re-listen to the podcast no, no if we if we just sit quietly for, ten, for, for 10 or 15 seconds we'll hear him from two suburbs over it's fine <laughs> Follow, followed by tina smacking him over the back of the head for waking the baby up yeah <laughs> oh anyway so we're gonna get straight into it this week we're gonna get straight into the games that we want to have a chat with um i'm gonna get started with me because i just want to have a quick chat about something so um over the last week i discovered a, a game through steam um called stellaris nexus uh the reason why i wanted to bring this up is that uh, we just did a let's play of this on our uh, YouTube channel at BG Gateway on YouTube. If you'd like to go and have a look at it, but the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because it essentially has taken what is the Twilight Imperium formula and condensed it down into ninety minutes. So I want to give you a quick overview. So Stellaris Nexus is Stellaris. The universe is uh, a very big, well-known uh, space sci-fi epic civilization game 4x um the 4x is if you've never heard that phrase stand for ex- uh, expand exploit um explore and exterminate i believe are the four x's it is indeed um and so i did that in the wrong order expand should be first expand exploit explore etc et no, no, no i've i've played ti it's it's very possible to exterminate on turn one absolutely. you'll lose but it's very possible absolutely it is. so that's this game but what this does is is it it's not made by the same company it's not made by paradox it's made by a separate company but they've taken the stellaris universe and kind of actually turned it into a board game very reminiscent of ti um the main focus of the game however is that um unlike unlike having action points and commands the way that it works is that every action that you have you have a whole bunch of different resources similar you know you've got production that costs you to build buildings and build you know ships you've got money that allows you to you know buy extra research and tech and all that stuff so the usual kind of stuff you would expect um but the way that it works is you have this one particular uh resource called support and every action you do costs you support. The first action you do is cost you one. The second action costs you two. The third costs you three, so on and so forth. So you are stacking up your support 
and you are trying to balance the amount of uh, planets that you have versus how many actions you can actually do on your turn. Because moving your ships, the first ship only costs you one support, but the second ship that you move costs you two support. Then you have these like unique powers called edicts and they're like special abilities. Like they're essentially the um, command strategy cards from Twilight Imperium. Like, hey, this time I can do construction to build a building or I can do research to yep. do the tech. So, you know, if I want to do it, I have to really plan out how many I have. I really, really dig this game, guys. I know I've, I've been pumping this on our Discord and to a few people because I really want to play this with some people because it takes that Twilight Imperium formula. Like the map is basically a hex grid with hyper lanes and the the winner is the first person to 100 points, similar to TI, which is like first to 10 or first to 14 points. So you're trying to get the objectives done to get points. And I'm literally looking at this going... I cannot see if you like Twilight, you should be playing this game. And I know you guys have been listening to me talk about it for a while, but and by a while I mean all of this week. I literally have not shut up about it. <laughs> it's uh, true. I it's really, very true. Yeah, yeah but uh, and you know the similarities similarities do not end there. I mean, like you've got the six different beginner races. They're all like have different focus. So you've got the humans who are good at like the council. Then you've got the technocrats. You've got the culture guys. You've got the guys who are essentially the Sardak. The necrovirus. The necrovirus. Well, you got this one. The one that one of the guys is basically every time you go and do a battle with anyone, get an extra support. Like they just want to keep attacking to get more moves to do more attacking and stuff like that. So really, really interesting. I just wanted to bring that up because I know you two haven't played it, but I wanted to start this off because if you're listening to this and you are thinking, well, first of all, it's free. Um, it's a free demo that you can go and download. And I really recommend playing it. Um, but two, I just wanted to kind of, you know, it's kind of that weird gray area of it's not a board game, but it is. It's like it's like it's a computer game, if that makes sense. But it's like Does it's it have a, a um, physical manifestation no no it's not it oh. is quite simply a digital it's a digital board game right, right. and that's what i'm okay. saying which is i think that, that still counts it would yeah it counts it wouldn't surprise me if i was to see a version of this game make it to tabletop like yeah. that's how good it was and but there are a few things in terms of like uh like you know different resource counters and stuff so it is like you have to you know be aware of your production there's a lot more resource management stuff than you would expect in like games like twilight or eclipse so you'd have to be careful with that but from a digital implementation, like there were like anomalies, there's like saying there's hidden information, there's trading, there's all of that stuff that we love. So, so how does that work? Just just changing the focus here. Mm. How does it work for the people who design that if they're giving it away for free and there's no physical game to buy? How well that's the thing. I is don't it, think is it, the aim to eventually like is it a beta thing or it just says it's a free demo. So this is a a company that has been. I reckon they actually designed the game and got probably picked up by Paradox to put it in the Stellaris universe. Right. It wouldn't surprise me though in the full game if they actually have a lot more races, a lot more different maps, um, different edicts and stuff, more content similar to what <clears throat> I would assume that they would have. Um, but this game even though it's only on a computer at the moment, I very much could see that this could be very easily implemented into a almost an under two hour sort of tabletop version of it. Just just, just on that, that, that that's kind of my, my question on this because like two, two games I really do enjoy. One in particular is a favorite of mine, Eclipse. And um, I, do, I do like the odd game of TI. It's too long, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll play it. It's fine. Um, but... Where they primarily differ, and, and, and I, I do like this about TI, even though this is a thing that I, I feel gives it its its 
its weight, its the the length behind it is the negotiation. Are, are the various phases of negotiation? Yeah. Do you still get that in this game? There is uh, cards that so edict cards that do allow you to actually do diplomacy with other people. You right. can trade texts with each other. You can but create. But it's not def- built into the game every round. Or and, and uh, it is can be depend, but you have to draw the diplomacy card. Now there is a card, an edict card called politics, and that one says, "Hey, go and grab any card that you want, and then you can play that next if you wish." Um, so there is the diplomacy so you could do that face to face hey Matt I'll give you this tech if you give me that tech or I'll give you that tech if you give me five credits for example but it isn't isn't necessary no it's not necessary and and is it is it as loose as what TI can be? Because no, TI, almost everything's almost no, everything's for, for negotiation. No, yeah. it's not. So the one thing that does, it really does remind me of TI, so it's not as loose in terms of the negotiation. Yeah. It is very structured. However, there is a council every seven turns. Yep. Um, and that council determines where the victory points come from. So obviously <laughs> there's a center home world called the Nexus, which is essentially Mechatol Rex. If you control that and when the council convenes, you get 12 points towards your 10. What the how the scoring works, however, is that every council we vote on a new, essentially like um, victory condition, which is hey, the person who has the most amount of populous buildings, so uh, sorry, populous uh, settlements, worlds gets twelve victory points. Yeah. Now, if you've already scored that, great. The next time the council comes around, if you're still the winner, no one else scores it. However, if I push for it. I can then score that victory point and then every council we add a new one on top of it and then there's more victory conditions that we can keep going for and people can score the old ones. Very similar to TI where there's a, an objective that's still open but you can only score it once. Yeah, and and this, what I'm about to say is probably going to be a bit of a miss for anyone listening who hasn't played TI. It sounds like that they fixed to some degree that imperial problem where someone who has taken Mechatol then somehow manages to just sit on Imperials of what one of two things happen. They'll they'll take it and just keep getting points or they forever have this target on their back and then they'll, they're basically out of the game at that point. Yeah, and th- that does help because you do actually have to go kick them off of, like you just, whoever's on it is going to score victory points when the council convenes. Yep. And the council does convene every seven turns. Um, there gotcha. are there are space battles as well. Like your fighters have different things. It's a very simple rock paper scissors system. The destroyers are better than capitals. Capitals are not are better than ranged. The rangers and the rangers are better than the destroyers. So it's like you take what you want in. There are some upgrades and stuff that you can do to your ships, but it's very rock paper scissors of like this ship is better against you, and I've got more of it. Therefore, I'm probably going to win this battle. Okay. There's not really a lot of randomness when it comes to that. So, look, I'm really enjoying it right now. Um, I really just want to bring this up because I wanted to bring some attention to it. Uh, it is because they've only just released the demo of it due to, I think, believe this Steam Fest um, thing that went on uh, last month. I really do want to put some more eyeballs on it because I think it for a lot of the TI fans out there, it scratches the same itch without being the same game. So I just wanted to bring that up. And without requiring an entire day's worth of your life. That too. I mean, or Batcake. Well, Batcake? Bat cake, what? bat cake. What's bat cake? I don't well, know. it's when you go. To, I said it's, it's when you go to. You, did find you say Alfred. bat cake? Bat cake. Have I, had a, have I had a stroke said, and I didn't? I have. What, what's happening? He, I, he I, said I'm, no, Matt. He said bat cake. Yeah. Duh. Okay. Can, can we talk about my game because I'm starting to get sad. What's going on? Yeah, what's anyway, bat cake? Anyway, let's go from. Uh, let's go from. Uh, <laughs> let's go from the sci-fi Stellaris Nexus, Matt. Let's go have a chat to yours. Let's have a chat about micro macro. So yeah, so this is a game that um, 
I think a couple of us have played, not just Damon, yes. but I think... Yeah. Um, I've played the first mission. I haven't, it, play, I haven't and, played it all. And Ralph was ch- chatting about it as well. Yes. I don't know if if, um, um, if Blake has played it, but um, it was up on the shelf at, uh, at Zing for, I don't know, 20 bucks or something the other day, and my birthday last month, so I treated myself to a new game. Um, I really enjoy this. I don't know if it actually, once again, and maybe we've got, maybe this is the theme of this edition of the podcast. I don't know if it strictly is a board game, considering it's a a zero piece of paper how dare you mock the 2021 spiel the jarus winner with well, not a board game uh, it's it's it, it is a fair call though because no, it's, know, is know. it a game and, yeah. and it's not even a there's no competition to it it's it's you know everyone working at the same pace with magnifying glasses I, well, around an enormous where's wally kind of picture. I, 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 I don't know so the way we played it with my family Maybe not the last time or the time before. Now, I will say adult members of the family, just to be clear, no no children were involved. We made it a race. Whoever didn't find it had to take a shot. We Okay. Look, <laughs> so, yeah, I can see that. All right, I should explain what that is. Yeah, look, 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 for anyone who doesn't know what micro macro is, let's actually explain what it is first yeah, so they get an true. idea of why. So it's a, a, giant, a giant piece of paper. I it's like an A0. Yeah, I think it's A0. It's one um, bigger than an A1. But um, and it's a giant, almost Where's Wally esque kind of picture, all in black and white. So it's a, it's a, a, a massive um, town. Yeah, it's a um, pen line drawn um, image of a town in what's that? What's that? That that um, aspect? Oh, isometric, right? isometric, isometric aspect. aspect. Yeah. Um, and you get given a series of mysteries to solve. Where you've got to find certain people and then trace their movements back, and then judge what actually has happened in the history of yeah. uh, this crime or you start at the beginning of something and follow it to the next step and and unravel the crime as it um, as it's progressing. It was a lot of fun. I think we've played now, we did five or six missions, myself and mum and dad and my sister. Um, a couple of them are a little bit with an adult bent, I suppose. It's not, it's, it's not rude, but it's, you know, well, like, no. a couple of them are a bit... The the name of it is micro macro crime city. Like it is yeah. like it, you are. A, it, it's you a detective are, thing, and there's yeah. murder cases. Yeah. But they're you know little peanut people. They're not. It's not a not a very well drawn. There's, there's also no there's guts also, and viscera. There's also no like color, that. so it's not as if you're That's seeing right. gore. You yeah. do see yeah. little things. Um, I will say that. So what we to kind of bring it back to what we we're talking at the start, which is that the question of is this a game, which is. It is very reminiscent of like a Where's Wally book, mm. but I would argue that there are some games out there that are starting to go down this. Well, what is actually a board game? Is it a competitive well, okay, so one, theme, right? or is it more of a? Are like the Murder a, Night mysteries that you could buy off the shelf those boxings? Is that a board game? No, I wouldn't call it a board game. No, I'd call it a night. I'd call it a night experience. And also, the reason why I'd also say it's not a game is because there is no actual. Like, what like about the, the, there's no like there's no choices to be made. It's just like yeah. it, when when the appropriate trigger has been said, then you have to then give the appropriate response based on your card. That's what the murder night mysteries yeah. is. Whereas this one here, at least you are trying to figure out. There is like you're trying to the game. I guess is you're trying to solve the mystery based on the clues that you can see or if you can follow it, which is. Which is I, fun. I, just, but... I don't think it fits into a, a oh, look, trick category, which is fine. Yeah, look, I, I I definitely think it's more of an activity. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad thing. No, I mean, no. At, it's a lot of fun at all. It's a ton of fun. I enjoy it, and and that that that's the thing. I mean, like the copy that I have, I think I paid thirty bucks for it, and I don't I don't regret it. We've hmm. we've done 
we, we, we've solved every every single crime, which is the only downside is that it is a, a legacy style. Of yeah, that. Like, like once if, you've solved it, even it even, even though you don't mark anything, yeah, you you know it. It's yeah. like oh yeah, yeah I, I know where where this is now. Mm. But you know, it's thirty bucks. Yeah, you know, we we got. We got our few hours of fun out of it, and yeah. I'd, I'd happily move it on to someone else. Yeah. Oh, no, um, I, I, I do rate it. And even, as you say, probably for the price, right? Yeah. You consider that you've got to pay 120 bucks to take the kids to the movies these days. Uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's um certainly... I haven't played it with the kids yet. I would like to. Um, And it was fun to play it with the adults. We only, as I said, we only got through the beginning missions, really. But... And you do need a well-lit area for it. Yes. And as many... A lot of shadows are not great for us. As many um, uh, magnifying glasses as possible. And as as few drinks as possible. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. A very dry surface. Literally just a piece of paper. I will say that this game does remind me in a little sense of like the Unlock games, which is... Yeah. The unlock games are a one and done fifteen to twenty dollar experience. One hour of like you're a cooperative. We're trying to escape the room, do the activities as such. Mm. Whereas, and you know, you can make the argument: well, is the unlock games are they a board game? Well, they're a, an unlock escape room style game. It's like, well, maybe Where's Wally could be a style of game. This is a Where's yeah. Wally style of board game where it's actually, you know, maybe it, we just need to call them box games or something. It comes know. in a box. Yeah. It is. Well, that's the thing because it. Like you know, they because but then board games come in a box. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> we're, we're starting to get we're getting we're going down the rabbit anyway, hole. Here. Point is, I quite enjoyed it, and if you yeah. see it on the shelf, I'd recommend it if you if you look. There for are it a for couple a, of other reimplementations of the game as well. Uh, no, so it's that, not not reimplementations. Actually, they're new versions, whole whole new maps. Sorry, I, that's cool. a, that's I, sorry. Yeah. yeah, that should say. So that. I've got. I mean, the the one I've got is a full house. Full house, and the newest one, which. Only recently made it to Australia. All in. All in. That's it. Right. So, and they're very much the same formula. Full House is a little more kid friendly. Um, there's there's less murderous murders. I don't know if that it's murderous in, intent. Murderous. I don't know. Like the the intent is definitely there. Right. Okay. Um, but look, we with regards to the artwork, it is very much in that sort of Where's Wally style. Yeah. But black and white. The cool thing I love about it though is. That it shows multiple aspects of time. Yeah. In in, in the a city, single image. In a single image, and it's quite clever. Like yeah. the artwork is quite clever. Yeah, we haven't say. really explained that uh, to people who don't know the game. What actually happens here is, you know, you'll because it's an isometric, you know, three D view. You'll start in one area, you'll see the character, and then you'll move further left or right, and then you'll see another point of the same characters on... So you're basically... You're using the micros- the, the the magnifying glass. You may spot the character that you need, but you may see him when he's... You know, he like he maybe, for example, he wants to find where his lost hat went, right? Yeah. But you find him with his hat. And so then you need to then follow him, like using Between the magnifying those two glass. Points. Between yeah. the two points to find where did he lose his hat and what happened, and then... Well, oh, the, the hard one, well, not hard one, but the one I, I, we spent the most time on was the subway one, where a guy just speeded into the subway. We're like, well, where where did the subway come out? Because that's where he's got to come out. Yeah. And we spent a good 10 minutes looking for this damn exit for the subway. It's right in front of us. It's there. I mean, everyone's just, you know, got blinkers on. We can't see it at that point. But, no, it, yeah, it's it's good fun. I'd recommend, as I said, for a family buy. Yeah. Um, off one of us, perhaps, when we're reselling it. Sure. And, and, and again, look, it, it really is like, I, th- I think the most expensive I've seen one of them is thirty five bucks Australian. Yeah. It's readily available. It's at Zing. Yeah. You know, it's 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 easy to get. 
it's good fun. It's it's a good one to bring out at Christmas, actually. When I was gonna say, out, it actually everyone's... has a bit of a wow factor with the size of the sheet. Yeah, it? like it's an interesting. I was piece. gonna say, I don't know if it would work at Christmas because God, I clear the table of all yeah. the Christmas stuff. Oh, no, no, but, need... <laughs> no the, the thing is, though, that that was the first time we it's played it with. Wall. Well, actually, that I know of someone who did do that, yeah. and it became kind of like a centerpiece oh, periodically. That would, be a really, that would actually be a really cool idea. It's like, yeah. hey, we're all on, we're on case number one. We're looking for this. Let's go and have mm. everyone. That yeah. would actually be a really cool idea. Yeah. yeah, Or put it up on a wall and say, all right, this is the case, and there's a fishbowl, right? When you know where the answer is, write your answer in the, and put it in the fishbowl, and we're going to go, all right. That would actually be right there. All right, keep that, in, keep that in the ideas, but we're doing that this year. Yeah. Really, let's do that this <laughs> yeah. year. That'd be good. But it, it is a good one. All right, cool. All right, well, that was micro macro, um, and uh, look, it is a it is absolutely worth it if you can get your hands on it. Micro macro was uh, designed by Johan Sick and the artist. There's actually quite a uh, he did the art partly did the art with Tobias Yokini. Uh, Oh, sorry, Jok Inki, sorry, and Daniel Goal. Man, like trying to a lot of these European names, mate. They, they <laughs> twist my Look, you get small points for Australian. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, so that's uh, a Spiel Desaris winner of 2021. So you know, absolutely worth it if you can find it. So we're going to move on to our final game that we've been playing over the week before we get to our gateway game, and that is this week Castles of Burgundy with you, Mr. Damien. Thank you. Uh, Castles of Burgundy is an older Steffenfeld game. So Steffenfeld is your sort of atypical Euro designer where um, he's kind of famous for designing games which are deemed to be kind of point salad games. And what I mean by that is almost every action you take in, in his games will typically generate points. Um, his points are typically... The, the games he designs are typically very, very high mm-hmm. um, when, when they score. So it's not uncommon to have point, to have points of 200, 250 and, and above in his not games. Not you have to be high to win the game. No, good. no, you don't. Just no, clarify. You can be, though. But you know what? <laughs> if you're high... You probably won't win. <laughs> you know what? I think you've won already. <laughs> All right. However, back to the game. In Castles of Burgundy, what you are doing is at the beginning of a round, you are rolling two die. Um, so every, every single player at the table will have two die to roll, and they represent the actions that you are taking in the game. So you have two dice, and you that means you are taking at least two actions. What you have in front of you is you will have your own personal board, and your personal board is where you are placing tiles into. In front of all the other players in the middle of the table will be a common board. That common board is where the tiles are coming from. And the board will have uh, will have pools of tiles and they will have numbers one to six all the way around. So as you can imagine, if you happen to roll a two and a three, that means one possible action is you could take a tile from the two from the number two pool and the number three pool. When you take a tile that goes into your into your staging area on your board, the other action you can do with your dice is you can take one of those tiles and put it on your personal board. Your personal board will have it's it's it is a hex grid. Um, actually no, it's a hex inside. It's it's hexes inside a larger hex. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that is that the, there's two kind of important factors. There's two important things to remember on your board. The board is made up of multiple colored areas. Those areas may be made up of one or up to five hexes, or even there's some boards that actually have up to eight hexes. Um, but then also there will be 
numbers of, of from one to six on those various tiles. Representing the dice and That's all that right. stuff. Yeah. So the other action you can take is you can take one of your die and assuming that you have a tile that not only matches the color, but matches the number of the die that you are trying to use, you can place a tile there. Sweet. The advantage of the, the, the various tiles that you're placing will do everything from giving you points, giving you additional actions, uh, changing turn order, so moving you up in turn order, um, allowing you to collect goods, which are another thing that you can get in the game, which you can then sell for money, money that you can then use to purchase tiles. So money in this game is a way to get additional actions, mm. basically. And you are doing this, again, to just get points. That's that's really it. Person on the highest, so person has the most amount of points wins. But the cool little rub with the game is that um, certainly the version that I prefer to play, which is in the, um, the oh, I think it was a 20th anniversary edition or something like that. There was definitely an anniversary couldn't edition. Be, couldn't be 20th because it was released in 2011. Then so, which, mate, you're playing the future version from 20th. Maybe the 10th mu- anniversary. It must be the 10th anniversary um, edition of it. But essentially, everyone gets different boards. Yeah. Okay. So... Everyone will have a co- everyone has basically a different idea on what they want to do to complete their board or to get as many uh, tiles out as possible. And the other thing that you are trying to do, and w- what really makes it important, is that every round in this game you get bonus points for completing a colored section on your board. So, like I said, uh, every section okay. there are different colors. Sometimes there are multiple sections of the same color. Yep. Section could be a single tile. But in the first round, if you complete that section, you get 10 bonus points. Right. Whereas if you do it in the last round, it's only worth one bonus point. Yeah. Okay. okay. And and essentially, you are playing this game, trying to work out how you can squeeze additional actions. That's really what the game is about, is working yep. out how, how you can squeeze these additional actions. Yep. Is there... Um Is there a craps aspect with the rolling? Like, do you get better better value for landing a 12 and, and choosing one action of a no. cumulative value? No. No, so it really is a case of when you are placing tiles on your board, they have to touch an existing tile. Mm-hmm. So one right. thing you are also doing is you are considering, well, if I put this tile here, it then means I'm I limiting... Have to roll X, y, I have to roll yeah, these yeah. numbers. And it is entirely possible that you could corner yourself and say, well, I've now placed this tile here. My options are three, four, and two fives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now... You can get workers in the game, and these workers allow you to modify your dice. One worker mm-hmm. yep. is one one pip. Very euro-y kind of That's right. mechanical yeah. sort of and, stuff. And the values do wrap, so a six can become a one, yeah. one can become oh, a that's six, good. That's good. so on and so forth. But workers can be extremely hard to come by. Right. Or, or you can burn an action. You can burn one of your dice to get two workers, and that always hurts in this game because, especially in a game where you are trying to get, to get more actions, more actions. Mm. it is a great game. Um, I that seems like a, even just on what you've explained there, just a really interesting mechanic to 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 burn to get two to get two workers if they're expensive to get in the first place. Yes, like, that seems like a very much a devil's temptation kind. It of. is. It is absolutely, especially when there are certain tiles. So there's one brown tile in particular. It'll give you four workers, but the the with these tiles, there are they are limited in number, yeah. and there's no guarantee the tiles, the all of these tiles are going to come out. Yep. So, <coughs> excuse me. That's all right. Um. So, it's 
you have so th- there is a little bit of push your luck in that as well. There's no guarantee you're going to see all the tiles. Yep. Um, but at the same time, it still is very much about um squeezing efficiencies out of what's in front of you at the moment. Okay. Um, you can try and do some long term planning, but I've found that depending on the roll of the dice, like for instance, if you need fives and you're rolling twos. <laughs> Doesn't matter how you look at it. You need three workers to modify that. Do you find dice. that the addition of that luck rolling element of the dice can basically make or break your game in castles? I mean, I haven't played. I've played a couple. I always get confused between castles of Burgundy and Ma- castles of Mad King Ludwig for some yeah. reason. Even though I know they're completely different games, uh, like every time I see it, I'm like my mind instantly goes, "Oh, it's that game." It's like, no, it's not that game. It's completely different. I- but it, like, do you find that the dice rolling is it can make or break you in that sense, or um, not so much? No, because one thing I, I didn't, one thing I, I failed to explain is that when you uh, perform a shipping action, so when you put blue tiles on your board, you then collect cargo from basically anywhere on on, on the board from one section. Right. That cargo also has dice values. Right. And okay. it is, and, and again. With maybe with a little bit of planning, but it's still difficult to plan if, if effectively. What you could do is you could take cargo and use that as like as like a last resort action. You could say, "Well, I can't place this tile, but I could sell some cargo, get get some silver, and then maybe buy a tile from the from from, from the common market in the middle of the board." But what I would say is that for me personally, if if the dice rolls are truly terrible. Um, I don't actually see that as something that would affect that, that that affects my opinion of the game. I actually see that as something that opens up the game for people who aren't necessarily regular gamers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it prevents that whole ability of someone coming in and just trying to romp and through steal, the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. Easy done. Castles of Burgundy, hey? Yeah, and one of those games that's on the um, I'd almost call it a core game. Like if you look at BGA, it's like a Games for core gamers, you know, that kind of territory. So I believe that there is a BGA implementation of this um, that we can, that we can play. But if, if not, I, I know people the, have got a few copies. I, I know people have got copies of the it. The BGA implementation of this is sensational. Well, cool. There you it's go. very, very we'll good. Try that out um, in the near future. All right. Well, with that, we're going to move on to our board game, our gateway game of the week. Um, this is going to be the final game that we talk about on this week's podcast. It's been a bit of a slow one uh, in terms of us being able to play a lot of games. And we don't have a discussion topic for you tonight because, uh, you know, I went to Melbourne last week. Uh, Damien's been uh, yeah, sick been with the sick. cold. Matt, you've been dealing with uh, starting up a new business, which is also very exciting. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in our personal lives. So we're going to keep this one short and sweet for you tonight. But, uh, and we're going to finish up the podcast by having a quick chat about Little Factory, designed by Shun Takaguchi, uh, uh, Taguchi and Aya Taguchi. Um, and it is the art work done by Sabrina Miramon. And the reason we wanted to talk about this was because this one came across my, uh, it came across my uh, desk when I was having a look through games that I wanted to get to play with my uh, family. And this game, Little Factory, is essentially what I would call uh, baby's first, uh, I guess it's not, res- it maybe resource management, resource conversion, I guess, baby's first yeah. resource conversion. The way the game works is that there are four different levels of uh, resources. We start with our basic resources of uh, wheat, coal, uh, stone, clay, and cotton. 
Um, and then there are two different levels above that where we have um, some manufactured goods at level two. We have some processed goods, which are pink cards at level three. Like, you know, they all require different things. There's a conversion sheet on the back of the rule book. Um, and then there are some buildings, which are the top level. And the buildings, the way you win this game is it's either the first person to get to uh, 10 victory points or when all of the victory points have been removed from the game, uh, have been assigned to players, the person with the most amount of victory points wins. I do believe I'm not. there is 12 victory points in total to be mm -hmm. able to be gotten. Um, I think Matt ended up winning the game. He had five, uh, I had four, you had three. Yeah. I think we've actually... <laughs> Sorry, keep going. I think we played it wrong because... We the, will. The, I'm pretty sure the cards and the chips, you don't recount them. So if you have a building... That's automatically two points. You don't also then get two chips. So I just looked at the thing going, you know, I think we shortchanged ourselves a little bit in that one. But we'll see anyway. Which wouldn't, but... which wouldn't really extend the game too much more than what we were playing. No, well, I don't think well, so, no. Well, let me explain how this works, right? So on your turn, you can do one of uh, one of three things. The first thing that you can do is that if you have a building in front of you, you've, you've been able to work your way into building, uh, getting a building, you can then activate that building. You can activate it at the beginning or the end of your turn. The building can do different things such as turning resources into victory points or turning resources into other resources for free. The two other actions, which are your main bread and butter of the game, the first thing you do is called trading. Every card has a coin value um, and you can on your turn trade for one or more uh, cards. So each card has a coin value. I can trade that card in for another card of different and lower point value. So essentially the main use of this is being able to take a very high value card and get a lot of lower value cards that may be able to give you different things in different yep. areas. That's one of the first things. So that's the first action. And then the second action is producing. And these cards not only have a, uh, a, a value to buy them, but they have a, a prerequisite that you could use as your trade option. So you could, for example, get planks of wood if you have one log of wood or two logs of wood, I think in one of them. So if I try, if I produce uh, the, I can produce one thing only, or I can trade for multiple things of the coin value, uh, but I could take what my two planks and then produce, sorry, my two logs and produce planks and I take that and I trade them, and then those logs go back into the supply for every other people to use. At its core, that's the game. The game is all about just taking little steps, producing, uh, like taking little baby steps up production trees, and then maybe going, well, I've got to, I can't do anything with this building. There's nothing out there. And then uh, maybe trading down to go into other production trees to do things like that. This is a game that, look, it, it it's not going to tickle the it's not going to tickle the puzzle side of a heavy gamer's brain but we all collectively went i can see what that is and that would be a perfect baby's first resource management game like this is literally i could give this to my your eight-year-olds matt and even potentially evie and say can you see that symbol yeah. somewhere and yeah. get them to start doing that kind of stuff? I really yeah. think there's, this is the reason why I want to do it as a gateway game is because I truly do think that this is, can start to show kids and other people like resource conversion and understanding, you know, your tech mm. trees and things like, things like that. No, I agree. I think, I think that's where the value in this game lies. It, it's not for, for, as you said, for heavy gamers, it, it, it's, it wouldn't be one you'd pick up off the shelf very often, but, it's perfect for this gateway community. If you're looking for 
a game that can teach you a mechanic, a really standard mechanic in bigger games as yeah. well. Yeah. Of, you know, what have you got? How do you get to the next level? Or how do you jump a level by, you know, maybe taking yourself, you know, one step back to get two steps up kind of thing? Yeah, and there was something that we spoke about at the end of the game where we were looking um, at uh, sort of the recommended age. And it was saying 10 plus on here. And we all commented, said, no, we could absolutely show this to our younger kids. And yeah. they, they totally get it. So I, I, I'm i certain I could put this in front of my youngest son. Yeah. And he'd look, look at the pictures and he'd go, yeah, I've, I've got this. And kind of ties into a topic that I really want us to talk about on another podcast one day about the sort of like age ratings on games and such and how that may be a, an invalid deterrent for some people picking up games. But coming back to this, I thought it was good. It was fine. It was interesting. It played in twenty minutes. Played in twenty minutes. Five uh, minutes each. Yep. Um. It it taught me something new. It taught me like, like I'm I've got a small farm happening at the moment in my backyard, and I worked out that apparently if I get some clay and some wheat, I can get a cow. So after this, <laughs> I you need to go uh, get the clay. That's what you're missing. You've got the look, wheat at home. You just don't have the clay. My it's... entire yard is clay based. Oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna take some. I'm sure, of it's Heffernshire clay though. Otherwise, God knows we're gonna. You know what? You know what? I'm willing to experiment. Let's see what happens. So I'm going to take some leftover bread. It's a little moldy, but we'll see what happens. So, and you know what? You need mold when you're making cheese. So I'm thinking like the cow's already halfway there. Right. All right. We'll throw some. We may never see you again. This is history making million dollar idea right here. I'm going to leave some bread. I'm going to bury it in the clay and we'll see you tomorrow if I have a cow. I'll post back. (laughs) Look, gosh, Ralph's not here and the puns are still free flowing. It's great. Look, I, I do want to point out, though, right, this game, as well as being uh, really easy to play and teach, really quick. Like, granted, if you're playing with younger kids, yes, expect it to go about that half an hour mark. But still, that's still a really good time for younger kids. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But the cost of this game, you can get it for $15 currently from the Games Men, which is an Australian board game store, 15 bucks at the moment. Like, the cost of this game as well, like, yes, I'm not going to probably get this out of my shelves very often to play with you guys hmm. you know we want to play bigger games that's where we're at now career however this is absolutely a game that i could see just getting out in front of like it, getting out in front of a couple of friends with a night we have tea coffee we have a few drinks you know things like that because it's very colorful um the colors are very stand out like yellow blue pink and green so they all very stand out from each other um, yeah, it's very simple nice. it's very simple it's very easy to understand i will say one negative of this game is that i tried to learn this directly from the rule book for the first time and it does the designers of this game are japanese and i don't know if there was any translation issues or anything but it just felt like from time to time there were some wording issues where i'm like i just couldn't understand the intent the intent between yeah. what the difference between trading and producing was right yeah. because i was like well what's the difference when i and i just couldn't properly understand it and then i played a game on bga and i it all clicked on oh i'm an idiot okay i see what i can do here um so there was a few things like that going on but i really do think this is a game that does have a little place now it is a it is part of a um a series of games there is um other ones that are called like um there are like there's little factory i believe that there's a little uh little town a little city or something like that i believe if i'm not mistaken um and so there are the the like this the whole idea of this series of games it's produced by ilo games 
um, I E L L O. And just, just cause, sorry, just to cut you off mm. because it's produced by them. It is going. The production will be absolutely quality, and it is mm. like every game they produce is like the production value is off the charts. It's yeah, fantastic. absolutely, absolutely is, and that's why like they tend to like. I really enjoy. Um, I really do enjoy uh, the style, like the, their production values. Like I really enjoy uh, Break the Code, which is also an ILO game. Like their their the, the production and the um, the intent is really simple. Like the cards are really simple and yep. easy to understand yep. as well. And so you know, the, generally these series of games tend to take, like we said, one major mechanic, one major kind of theme and idea. This one here is resource conversion. It, you know, technically it's a race game. You know, we're racing to ten points, whatever it is. But realistically, the theme is all around. Or making a little factory. I have a little production line. I get this, I get that, I can produce this, I move on to the next thing, I follow up the production chains and where we go. So there are other versions out there and other different ideas that you can check out and I highly recommend um, you should check it out. As we hmm. said, it's very simple, uh, very cheap um, and I do think you could p- play this with you know some really little kids. It only play- it plays two to four players yeah. but you know, we, uh, we played it with three, had no issues either. So Also, um decent game that you could absolutely take to like a bistro of the family or yeah. something like that if you're going out on a sunday lunch just something play with the kids while yep. wait, waiting for food this is absolutely one of those games absolutely so, yeah absolutely it didn't take up a lot of table space either so no. that was really good all right well look ladies and gentlemen we don't really have uh, anything else for you uh tonight we're actually going to end it there uh we do want to give a quick couple of shout outs though first of all and foremost go check out as i said at the beginning of this podcast go check out our youtube page youtube.com go to the search bar and type in at bg gateway you can find all of uh, the stellaris nexus playthrough that i just did it's only a two-parter it takes less than 90 minutes to view so you can watch that we also have all the other uh, versions of our podcast up there and i also do want to give a big shout out to our discord community because we're actually starting to get a lot of more um talking and uh, discussions over there we've got some um some cool people on there uh, who've come and joined us um so we want you to come and join us as well go to our website www.boardgamegateway.com for all of the links to all of our things and tiktok for the outtakes isn't that where yeah well yeah yeah well the youtube shorts i'm starting to put them on there but we are do have we are on tiktok as well now we are we do have our latest uh, podcast outtakes of uh a specific uh, board game idea that we had which was absolutely hilarious i'm not going to spoil that on this podcast you would to go to tiktok or youtube and find out what one we were talking about there um but i do want to give the final thing which is start to give a little preview which is episode number 40 which is not next episode episode after that is our one year anniversary podcast mm. so i would just like to give a big shout like we'd like to get as many people listening into that one um and what are we uh, gonna do uh, have, that, you got a, have you got a plan uh, they always have a plan everyone bring some wheat i'll bring clay <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring the cotton. I was going to bring a bucket for all these cows. That <laughs> I'm, anyway, I'm so looking forward to the cheese. We are literally, That's we are literally less than uh, two <laughs> weeks. We are two weeks uh, from the first anniversary of our very first podcast, which was in July of last year. So we're going public. So stock starts at four dollars exactly. a stock. Right, the, the first, the first offering will be <laughs> at, at the best price. So make That's sure you right. get, get amongst it. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us on this week's podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye guys. See ya. Good thing.